Welcome to Truthiverse, the number one podcast for free and discerning minds. I'm your host, Brendan Murphy, author and founder of The Truthiversity. As a freedom hacker and truth addict, it's my job to help you reclaim yourself from illusion and live in your power. Living in truth sets you free to holistically upgrade your entire life so you can explore infinite possibility. Join me as we hack our way to a higher evolution. If you haven't already booked your seat for the End of COVID Summit, make sure you do it now. The End of COVID features 90 videos from short films to interviews to long-form presentations. It's like a podcast combined with an online class since all of the content is organized into 10 different learning modules. With this educational experience, we can end the next scamdemic before it starts by unlearning everything we were told to believe about our health and the history of so-called contagions. To start streaming for free, just go to theendofcovid.com slash ref slash 346. All right, ladies and gents, welcome to this episode of Truthverse. This week, it is my distinct pleasure to bring onto the show Dr. Ana Maria Oliva, who has a background working in microbiology and nanobioengineering. And uh, I wanted to get her on today to talk about some of the claims being made about what's in the jabs, uh, what's in people's blood, jab and unjab, some research being done, some of the claims being made. Um, Anna is one of the few people I know who is in a position to comment on at least some of these things. And I know, um, you know, we just had Adam on a recent episode, Adam Biggleson, who uh, has some very firm opinions on some of what's being shared around, you know, um, people saying certain things are certain things when, in fact, they may be simply just normal holograms found in the blood. Uh, So, folks, if you missed the holograms in the blood episode with Adam, go back and check that. But in the meantime, we've got Anna here to expand on things and get into some of the nitty gritty. So, Anna... Awesome to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brendan. It's my pleasure being here with you. It is a pleasure to have you. So, where do we where do we start? Here, we I have a list of materials. We have we have all sorts of claims being made. We've got stuff like um, you know people still claiming graphene oxide is in in the shots. Um, you know whether it's Pfizer or what have you. Um, we could start with that if you have opinions around that. Um, I think you know quite a bit about this, if memory serves me. So um, yeah, I'll let you kind of guide things. Okay, so this is very interesting because you know that it's been like a big taboo uh, about spike protein or graphene oxide, and it's been like a total war once against the other, and everybody was saying that the other ones were controlled opposition and made no sense. And, And you know, when people ask me, what's in the job? My first question is, what does, I mean, why do you think that is something else than what is published? I know that we've been lied and we are used to know that we have been lied since ever. In this case, uh, we have some very interesting things. You know, let's let's put the context first of all. We are talking about a job that goes for something that was never isolated, that was just how is it says uh, something that has been created in a program like just just a software that was creating a sequence of things that has never been around anything has yep. never been launched and has never been circulating with people and we know that viruses are not the cause of any disease so let's put this context there have never been autopsies so people were dying we didn't know about what they were claiming that were dying because of a certain thing okay and then they they it was everything was forbidden but this magic job and they tell us okay we're going to do something that is experimental has never done has never been done before this is totally new it's done by companies that have never done this kind of things vaccines in in general 
And suddenly people go there to put their arms so as they can receive something that is experimental, that has never been approved that for something that has never been seen, has never been isolated. So the whole situation is totally ridiculous. So there is like, let's say some logic in thinking, okay, since everything is a big lie, how I'm going to trust that what they say is in the vaccine is true. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to use the word vaccine because it's the common word. We know that it's not a vaccine, that it's just an injection. Mm -hmm. So if we just check what is in the in what they tell you, everything that is there is absolute poison. And we know that. So only with that, we could stop <laughs> talking, you know, because they, they tell you. I mean, you go to Pfizer and you check in the in, in the. Um, in the prospect, what is there, and they tell you, okay, you have basically RNA that is synthetic. It's not natural, it's synthetic. So your body's not never going to recognize that as an RNA. It's never going to be tra tra uh, translated into protein. So forget about that. Then you have nano lipids, so particles that are nano size. And, and, you know, you hear lipid and it sounds kind of natural, you know, nanolipid sounds, sounds like not so bad. But we need to know that nothing that is at the nano size is good for the body because there is no filter that can filter that. Mm -hmm. And they call nanolipidic particles something like polyethylene glycol. Sorry that my English is not so good for that. Polyethylene glycol, if anyone didn't catch it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you for the translation. So this, and they put it under nanolipidic particles and you say, sounds natural. Lipids is, is fat. It's something that sounds, but this, this has been totally forbidden for using even for animals. It's not allowed to be used in animals. It's not allowed to be used in human. And it's only for research purposes. So only with this, we have enough to say no. We have enough to know that this is a total poison that they're putting in your body. Okay, then there is this war. So the war of the spike protein, I think it's been very clear after checking what has happened with people that there is no translation into any spike because the reaction of the body is the reaction to something that is foreign and it creates a sequence of biochemistry that you can track and tells you no no this this has been just taken out in form of exosomes out of your body has been just released as, as quick as the body can do it, then that's another thing. So that spike protein, I think that we can say very clearly, it's never happened with this RNA because since it's synthetic, once it goes inside the body, the body says, this is not, we cannot read it. We can do nothing with it. Just take it out because it's totally poisoned. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then there is the other thing that is the graphene oxide. And here's when things get weird. Because the graphene oxide is, has never been published in the vaccines as a component. But we know that there are patents that are we know about them, that they say that the graphene oxide is part of the normal composition of, for example, the saline. So the saline that you use as a medium for almost everything that you put in the IVs, that you put everywhere, uh, there are patents that says that they all have graphene oxide because they discovered that this graphene oxide, what was doing is binding the spike proteins of the viruses and making them useless. So they say it's a perfect way to protect people against all the, in they in they cite all the viruses that they have invented. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because all of them are synthetic, all the SARS-CoVs and all of those are, are synthetic, all of them. So, but they tell you the graphene oxide can be used as a saline, just as a solution 
so as you are more protected. So since the moment that there is this patent about the saline with graphene oxide, in the vaccine it says that it has saline, there is a reasonable doubt that it is saline is that one that has the graphene oxide inside. Basically, because there is enough evidence of the graphene oxide being used in all kind of medical stuff, all kind of cosmetic stuff. There are so many creams that they are based on graphene oxide and all kind of paintings and construction uh, material. So it's all over. It's mm. the same that thinking that our body is full of metals. It is because they are everywhere. They are in the environment, they are in our food, they are everywhere. So now we find that we have a, a body that is full of metal particles, that most of them are nano, so they're very, very small, that is very probable that everything that we've been using as saline for years and even anesthetics and things that are widely used in medical are full of graphene oxide because it's the base, the basic component that they use is a solution, it's a hydrogel, it's a solution with with these graphene oxides, and then they are injecting, and that we know for sure, more lipidic nanoparticles, polyethylene glycol, and RNA that is toxic because it's synthetic. So we have all those things, and this is something that anybody can track because it's published. You can go to the patents. I can show them. I show you them if you want because I have a few slides here. And and this is what we know. What we know is that the reaction in the body is poison. Is is the same reaction that a poison. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting. So you you mentioned uh, graphene oxide, uh, hydrogel. You mentioned in there, uh, and the fact that we've been exposed to this stuff for probably decades, which means everyone's going to be carrying this stuff, regardless of whether they've been vaccinated, uh, had this the cooties jab or not had it. Um, you know, it doesn't matter because it's so environmentally ubiquitous that we're going to be exposed to it. We're probably breathing some of this crap in. We're absorbing it in our skin. It's in our food. Um, so whoever you test, if you are doing the kind of test that will pick this stuff up, you're going to find it no matter what. Is that basically the idea here? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yes. And and it's there is something that we need to we need to think about when you want to know where science is going. You don't go, well, you can go to the MIT and see more or less what they're doing, but this is more almost a distraction. <laughs> if you really want to know what is happening, you go to the militaries, mm -hmm. you go to DARPA, and you, you start checking what are they doing, what are they publishing, and what they're doing lately since 20 years ago is trying to find this brain barrier, I sorry, this uh, brain-computer interface. Uh -huh, yep. So this has been like the main goal, how to match biology with technology. And this is not something strange. I mean, there is even a, there are patterns of all these kind of things, how to how to use the cryptocurrency, how to mine cryptocurrency just using your biochemistry. So to do that, obviously, you need something that is all the time scanning your body and sending this outside and from outside receiving a signal that can change your biochemistry. This is the digi twins. This is the base of the quantum quantum computer and all these things from D-Wave. You know, this is something that is there. It's not, this is not conspiracy. This is total reality. Mm -hmm. If you listen to what militaries are saying, they are telling you, we just need to spray the things. We don't need to even inject you. They are using the sprays to, to monitor and to modify your behavior 
And this mm -hmm. is something that it's being done. It's not a big mystery. The only thing is that we don't normally check that. And normally people don't go to DARPA to see what they are do doing in terms of research. They don't go to the army to see because most, it's mostly secret. So if they are telling us this now, it means that it's been 30 years at least that they've been doing this research. And they are talking to you about how to use your own proteins, how to use your own DNA. And this is what we call tissue engineering. When I was working in the nanobio lab, my colleagues were in, doing tissue engineering. That is basically these interfaces is creating scaffolds, is creating things that are artificial but can bind with the biology. And then, of course, if you have a small context, all of that makes a lot of sense. All of that is helping a lot of people because if you have, imagine that your skin has been burned. And you can put an artificial scaffold that makes that the skin grows again. That's awesome. If you want to bring a drug delivery system so as you can bring drugs inside the cartilage in your knee that is hurting you, that's so difficult to regenerate the cartilage. You know, it's very, very difficult. So if you can do a drug delivery system that has something that attached to biology and then releases the drug exactly in the place and in the moment that you want, that's awesome. In that small context, that's very good. Mm -hmm. But if you see the biggest context in which they want to apply that, that's not so good. And it's when things start getting scary. So we have a bunch of super good people, good scientists working in super awesome projects. And then you step backwards and you see, oh, see, yeah, that can be also used for other purposes. Mm -hmm. And I think that people that are claiming things is because they've seen these other purposes that can also be very possible. I mean, if you see exactly, if you read carefully, what is the description of the jabs, especially Pfizer and Moderna, uh, is a drug delivery system. Uh -huh. It's exactly a drug delivery system with all the components they can have. Exactly that. It's something that it goes exactly what they want. It binds biology. It delivers the, system, the, the drug. And that's it. That's what they are doing. So, I mean, as far as that goes, you know, the drug delivery system in the body, uh, obviously you, you'd be very aware that people are now having unbelievable blood clots and this kind of thing happening. Yeah. Uh, so how do you, do you see that as being the way that this technology has been programmed or to operate and the way that it's intended to be used is to cause blood clots, strokes, heart attacks, this kind of stuff? Well, I don't know what are the intentions. I can imagine them and I can believe something. But what we observe is that what we know is how the body works. You know, we know how the body works. We know how the, how the diseases are created. So you have a poison. The poison goes inside your body, can come in because of many different reasons. In this case, it's injected. What is the first thing that the body is trying to do? It's trying to excrete. Mm -hmm. Excretion is the first phase. If it fails, in this case, it's obvious because it's so much poison that the body cannot excrete that quickly. So the, first, the second thing that happens immediately is inflammation. Mm -hmm. Why? Because inflammation is the way that the body heals. It sends resources. It's trying to create a tension in a certain point. But this is the normal way that the body works. You hit yourself and it creates an inflammation that is local. The problem with this is that the inflammation is systemic because it's not that you hurt it in a certain part of your body. It's that suddenly your whole body has been full of toxins. And there is only one study about pharmaco pharmacokinetics. So the way that the vaccine goes inside the body and what it's, it's doing inside, 
It was made um, by Pfizer and it was made for the Japanese government. That was the only one that was asking for that before injecting the people. And it was done on rats. And the result says that in less than 10 minutes, the jab is everywhere. The whole plasma is just spreading. And after a few more minutes or even half an hour or something like that, a very short time, is starting depositing in certain tissues. Because this is the other thing, the other phase that the body does. The first thing is excretion, then it comes to inflammation. Inflammation is normally helped by bacteria, by your whole ecosystem. So all of them go there like the firefighters to see what can they do. If the, this fails, then it starts depositing in certain places because the body decides that it's better to sacrifice a little part of your tissue in, if, if you can survive. It's the same that happens when you have uric acid and it goes to the tip of your toe and you have goat, I think, or gout. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just because it goes as far as it can from your heart, for example, to protect it. So then you have this second, this next phase that is when it starts depositing. And yeah, depositing is a, is a bad thing because it's going to kill that part of the tissue or create a big problem. That is what we've seen with the myocarditis and the pericarditis or the eyes. It depends on which is your weakest link in your health that that poison is going to deposit there, is going to deposit in another place. But all the damage that we've seen has been an intense systemic inflammation that you cannot sustain that with time because it kills you because it's, it's expected to be an acute answer for a short period of time in a very localized place. And suddenly it's very long time in all over your body. So the body cannot manage that. So then it starts depositing and then you have myocarditis and pericarditis or damaging your eyes or damaging your liver or, and after that it immediately comes the next phase that is either necrosis, so the, the, the tissue dies or a turbo cancer because it's a differentiation. And this is exactly what we are observing. What we are observing is the homotoxicology chart in a super speed. Mm -hmm. We are seeing that in just three months. We are seeing wow. the whole process that would tell, take you 20 years. Since everything has been so extreme, we are seeing the whole chart. We are validating the whole chart of the homotoxicology progression of disease. In, in so short time. Mm. So you can see more or less how your body has been reacting to that by measuring certain things. You can know how is your heart checking certain parameters or how is this clotting checking, for example, the D-dimer that has been spread there too. You, you need to know if, if your body is making these clots or not. Yeah. And because the clots can affect you in many different ways, can create a, a, a heart attack or an ictus or can create an, or, or a lung embolia. It can create so many things. So you better know how is your body doing at this point. I don't know if that's being intentional. I, I cannot, I would tell you just my belief, but I don't think anybody cares about my belief. But the evidence is that it's, it has created such a strong, massive inflammation and, and, and of course, all the system gets crazy because suddenly the system starts overreacting because every, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense in your metabolism suddenly. Mm -hmm. So then you start clogging here and inflaming there and trying to deposit there and trying to everything at the same time just because everybody got crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is making a lot of sense. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are, at the moment are also talking about shedding um 
there's a lot of fear porn around this. There's a lot of, uh, you know, I spoke about this two years ago or so and just, just basically, you know, not buying it and not spreading it. But there, there was something interesting happening. But there's still people who are really on the bandwagon of there's something physical that's being shedded and we are in danger and they're avoiding vaccinated people that like the plague, uh, so to speak. And what, what are your thoughts on this in terms of what's coming out of people and whether it's, you know, a problem for others? Yeah, since I understand that the job is basically a poison, I don't believe that poison can be transmitted to another person in an amount. I mean, not because you kiss someone, you're going to be poisoned, mm. you know. <clears throat> At the same time, I have to tell you something. I mean, things are not as simple as we think they are because human beings are very complete <laughs> and complicated sometimes too. So I normally ask this question, how many parts of you do you recognize? Because if you only recognize your physical part and your biochemistry, then you're going to hyper-focus on that. Mm -hmm. And you're going to try to find explanations of everything that happens just based on that. Okay, and then you can have some explanations that can debunk that shedding, for example, like if you and I go to the mountain, well, I see you much more fit than I am physically at this moment. So, but imagine that we go together to the mountain and we start climbing and it's very easy that almost at the same time we start sweating, our heart starts beating quicker, we start breathing more difficult. Is that that you have transmitted that to me or is that we are doing adaptation processes at the same time? Yeah. What is the disease? What are the symptoms? We need to redefine disease. And yes. it's, it's basically a collection of symptoms that are basically talking about adaptation, how your body is trying to keep you alive. Mm -hmm. So that totally changes the picture. So if you just think in biochemistry, you're going to try to associate everything into that. So, for example, we know that women have been having the menstrual period almost aligned or they have lost it and even when people were not vaccinated but close to vaccinated and somehow they lost their period and and it's been something kind of weird there too mm -hmm. that we cannot dismiss i mean this is an observation and science is based on observing things and and trying to understand what you're observing and not trying to feed those observations in your beliefs you uh -huh. know you are trying to remove inconsistencies so if i tell you there is no shedding at all a good lie because the observation is that there is something yeah. that has been transmitted. And if we go backwards and if we check what has happened with the genetically, genetically modified organisms in seeds, the terminator seed, for example, that was totally shedding. You know, it was they were creating these um, cultures, these uh, crops with these uh, terminator seeds. And the crops around were also full of the toxin of these genetically modified seeds. So they were also genetically modified just because of some transversal connection that the plants do. They mm -hmm. do that. The plants, they change the genetics. They, they can transfer horizontally the genetics. Is that shedding? This is how nature works. Mm -hmm. Okay. But then if you understand that you are not just biochemistry, but you are also an emotional being. You are an, an energetic being. And you are also, you also have a mind and you have a consciousness. And we know that one of the most powerful things that we have is fear. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. So what happens if I have a lot of fear? What happens if I'm in the same environment that you are, eating the same horrible food that you're eating, breathing the same horrible as happens in the cities? We're blessed because we live in the countryside, but people that live in the city, they share an epigenetic environment that is totally toxic. Mm. What makes you believe that that doesn't make that you create some processes that can be at the same time that other people we need to remember genetic is nothing it's like the germ is nothing the important thing is epigenetics is the terrain so if we are sharing the environment why do you blame another person when you could blame the environment itself you know so we are thinking in in a very short side way of looking at things just because of this person received the job and I have some symptoms is because of him. Well, what if it's because of we are sharing a totally toxic environment mm -hmm. and that is what is creating in me the same response that the other. And we know energetically what happens with entrainment. Yeah, right. So there are many aspects. What we know is that if I don't allow that entrainment, then I can change the things. If I change my epigenetics, then I can stop that. So sometimes we are hyper-focused in the problem and trying to find why, 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 when we could just say, okay, there is something weird there. Let's move to the solution. What is the solution? If you change your terrain, you change your environment, you change your epigenetics, that's it. Because this is what is making the genetic exactly. work. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. We're on the same page completely. Um, and that's, yeah, I agree. The entrainment thing, the resonance thing, you know, people. And I think there's something in the idea of, of uh, you know, our bodies. When someone lives with somebody, you know, like you mentioned women uh, period synchronizing, you know, they, they synchronize. It's an informational exchange going on between the two systems and they become essentially one system. And it's like the body is when people, you know, a family gets sick, everybody gets the flu, the flu, a, a, a cold. And they all get sick together and it's like, well, what's happening here? It's like, okay, bodies seem to recognize, it's like they recognize an opportunity to go into a cleansing mode, a self-regeneration uh, kind of mode. It's like, oh, that person's, that's like they're receiving a signal going, okay, yeah, oh, I've got this blockage that I've been wanting to get rid of. So now I'm going to work on that. And, and now all of a sudden you've got this cold symptoms. And, and we assume because we've been indoctrinated into the materialistic germ theory paradigm that it's a someone's made us sick because of the, the virus, which no pathogenic viruses exist. But it's actually more of an energetic informational exchange. And it's right. the environmental thing. Yes, totally. And, you know, I'm the fourth uh, sister. <laughs> I have three older sisters and we also synchronize the period. That's no one because it's an information as you're saying. I mean, we are, we don't finish where our skin is. We don't finish. We have an electromagnetic field that can be felt and measured out of our body. This is also part of us and has information. And this information is all the time interacting. So the thing here is that we need to redefine so many things and we need to, I mean, the whole science has been hijacked because language has been hijacked. Yeah. It's the same with the viruses. I mean, there is a big now also like, wow, what is, uh, people say that viruses don't exist. Okay, let's start redefining things. For me, virus is just a sequence of a DNA and it has, it's like part of the manual of instructions of your life. It's telling you if 
this and this and this and this, then do this and this and this and this. And these are, they are all the time moving inside our bodies. Most of the viruses that have been called like pathogens, we have them inside our body. So I always put the example with the papilloma virus, you know, that this is another one another big campaign and, and hypnosis, collective hypnosis with the papilloma virus. So papilloma virus is a virus that is inside our body. It's a sequence of DNA that is in our body. And it comes a moment that your terrain, because you've been using Tampax too many years or because of whatever, and those Tampax are full of um, things, chemical things in a place that is a super thin and porous membrane that has never expected to be with the blood stagnant there. So you're creating stagnation of something that has to flow with some chemicals in a membrane mucose that is super, uh, that creates this flow inside, outside so easily. And then that creates inflammation and then the inflammation triggers, triggers that that virus is expresses and goes outside and says, the partner, hey, the partners I'm talking about, the other cells, it's time to inflame. Let's try to get rid of all this toxicity and all this blood that should never be there, stagnant as so many hours as we keep it. So then this virus goes away, it goes out. And then the, the, the doctor comes and says, oh, you have the virus. Yes, of course, I'm a human being. I'm a human female. Of course, I have that virus. <laughs> it could be another species if I don't have it. Another thing is that you blame that. So this virus can go out of you and can go to you, Brendan, here, <laughs> can go to you and you're going to get it and you're going to read if, and you're going to say, no, I, I, I don't follow any of this if because I have never worked Tampax and I don't have administration. So no way, I don't read it and that's it. But it goes to your to your wife and your wife has been in a similar situation that I've been because we grow up in the same culture. So then she's going to read it going to say oh yes I have this I have this I have this so my body starts doing exactly the same is that contagion no that's how light works if you don't have all the ticks of all the things all the conditions your body would never do that so it's not about about the virus or or the information it's about you and your terrain it's always you it's never outside it's always inside yeah, exactly. I agree. I, I think, you know, would you agree with me that based on your description of, you know, the the virus at this point, whatever this microscopic entity is, you've described it as serving a, a helpful function. So the term virus to me is now meaningless because we've been told that there's these microscopic things that make us sick. But we know that, we, you know, those of us paying attention like you and me and a few others in, you know, the terrain crew, the no virus crew, we know that the, the establishment has never, ever produced any evidence to support their dogma around viruses. So should we select some new languaging around this? I feel like we should. <laughs> Yeah, I know that that's a discussion nowadays. I I sometimes wanna like, come on, we deserve to get back to the words that make some sense to us. And and I don't know the name in English, but it's like we've been stolen so many things that why I should give up of using that word? It was Bill Gates who who convinced that that virus is something that goes goes into con your computer is going to destroy your system from inside. If it yeah. was not using it in the wrong way, viruses would never say something wrong. It's like, I cannot use the rainbow without being labeled as something. Do I have to create a new way, a new word for the rainbow? So as I'm not under the LGBTQAZDXY+, mm -hmm. you know, so I don't know if I, if I want to 
get rid of that word and create another one because of that. You know, it's like yeah, they stole us the language. So I, I want to continue being free of use the language I want without confusion. But the problem is that it creates a lot of confusion. Yeah, this is it. So. This is it. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. So, I mean, do you have anywhere in particular you want to take this discussion? I, one place I've been kind of, uh, we can yeah. go there now or we can go there later is your your nemesis. <laughs> I, I think I, there I is... Could... Yeah, I would like to put on the table another thing that is the connection with electromagnetic fields. Please, yeah. Because this has been what I spent many, many years in my life studying, the electromagnetic way of thinking. You know, it's, it's like the electromagnetic physiology. We are used to think just in biochemistry. And when I discover this electricity inside our, inside our body and the electromagnetic fields inside I, I think that it opens so many other doors to understand. So, for example, with the vaccines, what, is, what has happened is that most of the people that is, has been doing claims outside of these are nano routers, these are self-assembling nanotechnology there, mm -hmm. just because it looks like something square. Well, you need to know what people are doing in terms of nanobiology and nanotechnology. And nanotechnology is just based on your biology mm -hmm. or the biological slaves. Nanotechnology nowadays is not based on micro or nano. I mean, you, you think in a microchip and you imagine a chip and in a very small size. And then they talk, talk to you about nanotechnology and you are thinking in a technology like this computer that I have here in front of me. And you imagine something in a nanoscale with that. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work that way. Uh, nano things, nano devices, nanotechnology nowadays is based on DNA, is based on proteins, is based on bacteria that they change their composition, their DNA, so as they can do whatever. That's why I call them biological slaves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so we need to think about that. And when we think about this and your DNA is the best antenna they could create, and we are thinking in tissue engineering and hybridization and all this, even if you would just go to the digital twins, the digital twins that is the new medicine, they are selling us that the new medicine is that you are going to have a lot of biosensors inside your body that are going to continue sending the signals to the computer, a quantum computer. So as you are going to have your digital twin there, that is going to be totally updated 24-7 with all the things, all the biochemistry in your body all the time there and sending back. Okay, so this is this requires a connection between external electromagnetic fields and your own biology. And there is a big link there because we know that it exists something called optogenetics that is using the light to modify your genome. It is it exists the electrogenetics that you can do that just with electricity and magnetogenetic and everything that you want. So you can modify your own genome just using electromagnetic fields in different bands. You can use radio frequency, you can use light because it's the same nature. Okay, so this is something that exists. And then we have another thing that is called the CRISPR. CRISPR yep. That is the genetic scissors. Uh -huh. And the interesting thing is that it all matches. So you can use the CRISPR, that is a protein that it acts as, as genetic scissors. It cuts a piece of your genome and it can just delete it or can replace that for another one. And you can do that in vivo. And you can do that triggering it with electromagnetic fields. So electromagnetic fields is something that we should be aware of. And we should have some knowledge about at least some digital hygiene. 
It means the same way that we have a basic hygiene of how to wash your hands before eating and things like that. So we should also have a digital hygiene means how to use technologies and not being used by them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there is a whole, whole world that combines electromagnetic things with our biology. We don't need nano self-assembling anything. Not so do, do you feel like there in the in the injections uh is there this self-assembling technology or is there not is it already in people anyway because we've been contaminated environmentally what's happening with that is that you don't need i mean we cannot think in nanotechnology and i was working in a nanotechnology nano bioengineering lab so yeah. i know what i'm talking about we cannot think in devices that are going to inject on you yeah there are some micro robots that they can do surgeries inside your body that's one thing mm -hmm. but this is not what we are talking about what we are talking about is that your body is full of metals uh -huh. some of these metals are taking the space of other metals that were in your body and for example you have the strontium strontium that is using a space that shouldn't be used by the strontium okay so what is that making it's making that your nervous system is much more reactive to electromagnetic fields so you don't need to insert anything we all have enough shit inside our body to be just easily connected uh -huh. okay and and we have the i don't know if you use also this expression in spain we use an expression that is the canary of the mines of the coal mine um in well the place where my grandpa's come is a little town and they have coal mines and in the coal mines there is something that is a gas that is very very toxic and very dangerous but you don't smell it mm -hmm. so it was very dangerous for people because it can explode or you can breathe it and die because of that gas so what they, they were doing they were putting canaries canaries are the, the, the canaries yeah. birds, yellow birds yeah. ah, canaries okay so mm -hmm. they were putting those at the entrance of the of the mines and they, if they see that the canary dies is that there is this gas okay it's like trying to so we call we call the canaries uh of the of the coal mines to people that they have less ability to adapt uh -huh. so you can just check that there are some diseases that people are suffering and there is just a minority but there those are the canaries that are just telling you danger danger so you have the people that have these central sensitivity syndromes like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue or electrosensitivity or chemical uh, sensitivity all this is the same disease is i cannot deal with more shit in my life in general mm -hmm. yeah. in all the levels that you can imagine diochemical energetic electromagnetic and emotional and everything mm -hmm. and you have also the morgellons and the morgellons are another minority that have been also telling us they are putting some substances that is synthetic biology and they are putting inside our body and we cannot deal with this. So when this hybridization fails, then you start having symptoms. If it works, you have an iMac address <laughs> that you can check because there is, a, there is a person in Spain that put people inside a paradise cage with a notary check-in and just check -in. And if there was any signal, any this um, Bluetooth signals that, you know, that was also there. And yeah, he found that some people got signals independently of getting or not the job. And it was done in a paradise cage. So in a, in a very controlled environment. So I think that those are the ones that that everything has been working fine and their their systems are connected.
so as they can be a 6G people. Mm -hmm. And the people that this didn't work are the ones that are dying too, because uh, when it doesn't work, it becomes very, very toxic, mm -hmm. very toxic. So it, I feel like, um, you know, you are looking at the the potential for what, what this technology can be used for, as well as what it is being used for. Actually, I want to go back to, you mentioned that they can spray certain things. So are you talking about the aerosols above us? <laughs> Yeah, I that's I mean, I can tell you that I believe that uh -huh, they are yeah. using that. I don't have any proof, but my eyes seeing those lines that don't make any sense and, and we see the climate change. What I can tell you is that they've been people that they have dedicated many, many years in studying that. And and one of the people that I follow that I was following for many years was Harald Kautz Vela, that is a German uh scientist that he was working a lot with that and mm -hmm. and yeah they say that i cannot tell you because i have done an experiment and any measurement of anything you know it's so difficult to demonstrate certain things mm -hmm. but it makes sense what he was explaining it made a lot, lot of sense to me it matches with what i've been observing too yeah you did mention Morgellons as well where sometimes people apparently are growing they're generating these fibers these like blue and uh, red fibers out of their out of their skin so do you feel like that's aerosol spraying uh, based or maybe other sources it can be it can be any source because i think that they've been putting that everywhere so the question is yeah it's each one of us is different uh, this is my hypothesis i cannot confirm that but because of what i've been studying you know, when you when you check what happens in the drug delivery systems, it's been a long time since the drug delivery systems are based on graphene nanotube uh, or carbon nanotubes. So basically graphene, if you want to call it that way, because it's the same. It's the only thing is that it's in, in, in the shape of a tube or they just do it as a ball or they, mm -hmm. but this is nanoparticles of graphene anyways. So when you see that, that all the drug delivery system is based on graphene oxide, that it makes more sense that this other delivery system is also based on the same. And they tell you very clear, I mean, graphene is quite compatible with life because it's, made, it's based on carbon and we are based on carbon too. The thing is that when it doesn't do what it has to do in the way it has to do it, it becomes very toxic. And what people have seen is that when this delivery system, drug delivery system, that has to go to a certain place and build a scaffold to us, attached to the biology, let's say, attached to the biology to release the drug there, when this doesn't work, then you start having these strange depositions of these carbon nanotubes that look like Morgellons. They exactly look like the same. I cannot say that are the same, but they look like the same. And they tell you that when it doesn't work, it creates this problem that is highly mm. toxic. And it has a certain pattern of self-replicating because it's synthetic biology. And that is what may, gives you the clue that it's not about nanochips or nano routers or nano mouses inside your body. It's about your biology being hijacked. Mm -hmm. When something can grow, it's because it's using your biology. Is using your mechanism to create a new protein or to make that protein, you know, that microtubules in, in your body are all the time being built all the time. So if you hijack that, then you can be building all the time another microtubules and you don't need to invoke any kind of strange technology. And you know what? This is very old. Mm -hmm. The thing is that most 
of these things have never been explained, but the, the self-replicant technology using biology is very old. It's yeah. a long time ago that has been done. So my hypothesis is this one, since all the drug delivery systems are based on graphene or carbon nanotubes, if they don't work, they create the Morgellons. And you know that at the beginning, the, the vaccines were injected, but now there's been more than one year that they are talking about the inhaled vaccines and the edible vaccines. So they're, they are telling you, and the militaries are all the time talking about aerosols. Aerosols, can you translate that? Aerosols, yep. Okay, it's the same word. <laughs> so they're talking about that, or they're telling you, because they all, it's hidden in plain sight, always hidden in plain sight. Mm. They're telling you everything. The only thing is that we don't listen, we don't believe, and we start creating other, try, trying to create another narrative, but it's not necessary. Just with what they're telling you, they're telling you everything. Aerosols mm -hmm. to vaccinate people. Yeah, no, no, I'm not, I'm not looking forward to to that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, one of the things I wanted to do was to, uh, well, let me backtrack a bit. So there is a, a fairly well-known um, doctor out there and a writer on Substack. She's got quite a big Substack following who likes to post a lot about these types of subjects. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about it because a lot of what she does is very, very sensationalistic. It's very hypey and, um, and very much, you know, under the category of, I would say, fear porn. And unfortunately, that kind of drama attracts a lot of people. And then, you know, people who are drawn into that kind of frequency, they reshare re it. They, and so the, it kind of grows exponentially. Um, yeah. And what I'm hearing is it's like you are aware of the same things as her in many respects. You're basically concerned about the big picture stuff, the same kind of big picture stuff. But I wanted to look for the points of difference where you 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 have a different angle on you know the analysis of the the blood, the analysis of the vial samples of the jabs and this kind of thing. And your what you what I'm hearing from you is that you know the the findings as such are not as um, we shouldn't be as concerned necessarily as is being made out in terms of what's being shown what's showing up in people's blood because of this ubiquitous environmental contamination. So I, I don't know, is it possible that we can go into a little bit more uh, nitty gritty around this? I mean, I have some headlines, yeah. I have pictures I can bring up on the screen if you want to sort of like talk to a few different of these points, because a lot of people are really going into, into fear and stress about this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. well, is that justified? Or can we, you know, maybe debunk some of this in a, in a sense? Yeah, yes, yes. We can go wherever you want. I mean, for me, anyone that is claiming anything based on microscopy, I'm sorry, we are at the same side. I'm I'm totally sure that we all want to stop this stupidity, but I'm sorry, that's very dumb. Uh, there is no way that you can determine what is in a picture. There, I can I can say I always say the same. Now I have this bottle that is dark, but if I have a glass of a transparent glass with water. I can tell you that this water, how can I prove it? Oh, yes, it, it moves like water, it's transparent like water, but what if it's vodka? Mm -hmm. How can you know that? I mean, with a picture, you cannot claim anything. With mm -hmm. a picture, and, and we've been, Adam and I have been checking some Pfizer vials, and what we see is that they have a lot of things. They have a lot of biological material, yes. They have things that are bigger than they should be because they're bigger than red blood cells. That's enough to say no. You know, because you don't want to put anything in your body that is bigger than a red blood cell because no. it can clog any vessel. So you don't want it. 
Okay, after that, most of the pictures that I've been seeing too, because this has been a long, long journey. And you know, Brendan, one of the difficult things for me is that I'm at the site of whoever wants to stop this stupidity. So I'm, I'm, I always thought that I'm the, per the people that are spreading these kind of things and they're wrong, but at the end, the purpose is the same. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, well, it's okay. I mean, what, it's not that everything, I, I will never share that. You know, but if, if you are not my enemy, the enemy is the one that wants to shut me, that wants to jump me. That's my enemy. The enemy are the, the elites that want to put that in us, not the people that they do their best and and they try to share. But then I was told once, yeah, but my enemy is the one that is spreading, spreading fear and misinformation. And they say, yeah, that you're right. So probably is the moment to also say, you know, I've been never in this fight of you are wrong. First of all, because in science, it's very difficult to say you are wrong, and it's the same difficult to, to claim anything. So everybody that is telling you categorically, this is it, and I know, and this is a bombshell of information, and the only bombshell is that we need to study more about this, so what a bombshell? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that, as you say, that's basically fear porn. And and unfortunately, it sells a lot. And most of the people that we try to be prudent we try to be careful we try to add and not compete we just try to collaborate and and what we find is that the other people have much more visibility which i don't care because my job is not having lots of visibility but i want the truth to be explained and i want people to know that yes we've been poisoned since decades and we are still alive wait that's a good thing you woke up this morning. Okay, that's a good beginning. From there, from that strong point, you are alive. So what can we do to improve knowing that the terrain is everything, the germ is nothing, the genetic is everything, the genetic is nothing, and fear is the worst thing you can have. Sorry. So after said that, yes, go to whatever you want. <laughs> well said, yeah, fear is definitely a huge enemy. Um, and the thing is, you know, the power of the mind, you know, the whole point of the the COVID psyop, the COVID psyop, as far as I could see, was it was necessary for them to um, to to engage in twenty four hours a day psychic driving, brainwashing, mind control, because they needed people to go into fear, and then they could produce psychosomatic reactions and make themselves sick just by the power of suggestion. Because if you believe there's this virus flying around everywhere, and you're told here are the symptoms to expect, and here's how you're going to get sick and maybe die. Um, you know, the power of the mind is there to actually make this stuff happen without any kind of infectious agent whatsoever. Um, and this is so overlooked in the whole discussion. I can't believe how overlooked it is, but um, let me just have a have a It's a spell. Look. It's been a spell. It's a spell, exactly. Totally. Exactly. A collective exactly. hypnosis, if you want. <laughs> yeah, really? no, it is. It's an exercise 100% in, in hypnosis. I'm going to see if I can do a little screen share. Maybe I can get a couple mm. of little comments from you, Anna. Yeah. Let's have a look here. See if I can do it. Uh, okay. Um, can you see the? Can you see the pictures here? I can see them. You know, my sight is not so good in the screen. But if you if, if you if can, can put it as big as you can, uh, I appreciate I can, that. Can, let's okay. let's have a look. Oh, here we go. Okay. Okay, that's better. So okay, so the author of this is saying here's a sample of a Pfizer jab. 
On the left, there's red blood cells with streaks of the rubbery hydrogel and a denser red blood clot. On the right, you can see dried aspects of the red blood cell clot magnified 100 times. Well, the first thing is, what is the, the definition of hydrogel this person is using? Because it's saying rubbery hydrogel. And hydrogel, in fact, is a, a suspension of something. Not necessarily you can see, it can be totally transparent. I mean, the saline can be considered hydrogel too. Uh -huh. So I don't think that what this person is calling rubbery hydrogel is the same definition of what we normally understand as hydrogel, but... Okay, yeah, yeah. Um... Okay, let's see. She says, on the left, you can see a classic hydrogel filament that we see in live blood surrounded by red blood cells. Has classic hollow internal appearance. This filament was seen in the yellow hydrogel part of the blood clot. Um, again, maybe there's not much more to say about that. Um, no. No. Uh, I mean, the, the hydrogel layer. Hydrogel layer. Do you see anything there? I don't because know what I'm it, looking at. <laughs> I mean, neither, because this looks like a nacar shell that you can find at the beach. I mean, that's <laughs> what I tell you, that that with a microscope, what can you see? This can be a hydrogel, can be an artifact, or can be anything. I don't know what this person is trying to show you, because I just see something that is blurry. Uh -huh. I, it, doesn't make any, it doesn't mean anything to me, this picture. What kind of analysis uh, would you need to be able to say more confidently that, you know, we're looking at some hydrogel here? Well, at least you should do a, a chemical analysis too, and probably this uh, uh, spectroscopy analysis to see what are you saying and link it with, uh, with, with the image that you have. But with an image, you can tell me that this is the, I don't know, that this is the moon. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, that's right. The moon surface, I don't know what is this. I've. I have no idea, but it can be also mashed potatoes. <laughs> this uh, this is magnified 200 times on the left. Um, but I, what is the purpose of showing this? I don't know. Um, that because it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't add anything. I, I think that the yeah. I mean, the idea here with, that's being shared seems to be that you know this is really really bad. This hydrogel. This is like part of the whole self-assembling technology they're putting in us to hijack us and. Uh, it's in the vaccine and you know this is obviously a bad thing and people are being injected with it um she's talking about filaments um again you know can you say anything about what you're seeing here with filaments in the, the, the no the left analysis? side the left side looks like a fiber i don't exactly know what i i've seen these images and the right side i can tell you that's a hologram uh-huh that's a hologram as uh harvey Bigelson, dr harvey Bigelson, has been described for 40 years uh -huh. So this is nothing different but that. This gotcha. has nothing to do with any hydrogel at all. This is just a hologram. Basically, and, and you know, I mean, this is common sense too, Brendan. If you had that in your blood, knowing that the blood is taken from a capillary in here in your finger, you could be dead. You uh -huh. cannot have that big thing in your blood because it could you would be dead in, in three minutes. So this, this is it, this is it, and for anyone who's listening and not seeing the visuals, we're, we're looking at this massive tube-like hologram-looking thing, um, and it's much, much wider and much, much longer than any of the tiny, tiny little red blood cells around it. Yeah, so if you had that in your blood, you would be dead. Every time that this goes to any capillary, you could just die. You know, okay. so that makes no sense at all. But this, I know these images. And these uh -huh. images are not from the vaccine. These images are as, as old as we are. 
and you can you can check Dr. Wigelsen's work. And it, he was one of the first doctors in America checking live blood. And this is typical in anyone. This has nothing to do with anything but you and your information. There is no connection between the image of the left and the image of the right. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, no, thanks for clarifying that. Um, I think this is actually a really interesting uh, exercise. So um, what it, have you ever looked at into the whole, I mean, speaking of Morgellons, you know, that's come up a couple of times now, the cross-domain bacteria thing in Morgellons. Do you have anything else that you think is, is worth adding around that? No, it's, a, it's, a, it's a still some unknown things there. You know, the more we know about this drug delivery system and this na carbon nanotubes and this synthetic biology and all this, the more we are understanding a little bit. But there is a lot of, still a lot of unknowns there. Why those colors of fibers, why they grow with certain lights and, well, why they grow with certain lights can make some sense because there is the optogenetics. So if you find the, web, the wavelength of the light that can make it replicate your machinery, your biological machinery can make some sense that though those ones, because you know that the Morgellons grow with the blue light, <laughs> with the blue, <laughs> not with any other one, with the blue specifically, you know. So we know that, uh, but there is still a lot of things that we don't know. Yeah. Or at least I don't know. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I know you know more than me, which is why I'm glad to have you here. Uh, his hydrogel polymers, self-assembly hydrogel polymers, historical research context of hydrogel smart materials, nano worms that rapidly grow from nanometers to visible size. I mean, I'm not going to open that up unless you want me to, but do you have any thoughts around this kind of um, idea? What I've seen is that most of the images, uh, here you have a very clear blue fiber. The other square things are pretty, pretty similar to many other that we've been, that we have obtained by drying samples of almost anything that has salt. Uh -huh. It doesn't matter if it's a tear, if it's your own urine, or if it's sea water or saline, whatever that has salt creates these kind of crystals. That's what I tell you, that with a microscope alone is very difficult. It's very difficult because you see something that is that shape, it can be anything. Mm -hmm. Can be that it's a piece of metal. Yeah, it could be, but can be just a crystal of salt. Sure. How can you distinguish that? How can you claim anything? The only thing I can tell you is that it's very clear that it's a blue fiber. That's <laughs> uh -huh. the only thing I can tell you. Yeah, the that's rest, right. <laughs> the rest is very risky. And you know what happens, Brendan, is that is what I was telling you about the context. In science, context is everything. Yeah. Is everything. So if you if you've been researching one topic your whole life, then that's that's a bias that you have in looking at things. So you try to fit everything you are finding under your own bias because this is the only thing you know. So everything has to fit there. But what if it doesn't belong to there? Mm -hmm. What if it's just that your context is too narrow? You know, it's like We've been seeing also, if I'm not wrong, that polyethylene glycol also when it dries, it creates structures that are pretty similar to the graphene oxide when it dries. So who says that is one and not the other? How can you know that? Mm. Or they say there are some aromatic rings that you find. Yeah, but there are so many things in nature that have aromatic rings. So many that just because you found aromatic rings, you cannot say anything at all because it can be from the gas on your car to your own DNA. You know, it's, it's we have to be very careful 
And we have to double check a lot. There is a big responsibility in sharing information, a big, big personal responsibility. And we need to be very sure if that information is creating toxicity in the person that is um, that is receiving it and from where I'm just doing this. Because yeah. I don't see anything interesting in these images, honestly. Yeah. It's, this is just a blurry image that can be anything. If you want to check what is happening in anyone's blood, you should check a whole slide and checking all the parts and seeing what is here, what is there, what is there and trying to find. This doesn't mean anything. This is just a, an image unless unless it is published in a context that explain many more things that I'm not aware of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I have taken it out of the article, but I, I, you know, I've kept the captions around it so that people understand uh, what it's supposed to be based on, you know, what the author is saying. And um, yeah, it's it's just one of these things where uh, we're, we're shown pictures, like you're saying, and we don't actually necessarily know or how to interpret them, what we're looking at. Um, and you know that this is why I wanted to hear from you and, and folks who are who are not aware. You know, Adam and Anna uh, work together. They both share a level of expertise in looking at um, slides micro microscopy, I should say. And speaking of you know dark field microscopy or live blood analysis, you know that there are obviously limitations there. Adam is very very um, you know strongly spoken about about this stuff, and you know. I know you're, you've already kind of outlined some of the issues here. So if you were to, to sort of summarize for people the, the challenges with when someone comes out publishing dark field microscopy images and live blood analysis images, what are some of the, you know, the warnings that you would offer around that? Yeah, sorry, I, I was disconnected because I was reading this that it says it can inject hydrogel that is loaded with graphene oxide nanoparticles that can stimulate neurons. Uh -huh. um, this is this is all the, the tissue engineering thing this is all the tissue engineering thing and this is we know that this drug delivery system and all these scaffolds are made of graphene oxide we know that the question is i mean information has to be useful to make better decisions mm -hmm. we know that this exists what's the purpose of trying to label everything like that how can you be sure that one thing is that, I mean, we know that this exists and we know that people are suffering. Is there a connection? Can be. Can be that there is a connection. We know that what are the purposes, but but it's like, what's the purpose of all this? What's the purpose? What do, what do we want? We want people to be empowered, free and sovereign. We want people to take responsibility of their lives and we want to scare people. What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and there are many ways of seeing at that, and that's my way of seeing it. That's why I don't share certain things because I don't think they they are helpful. Mm -hmm. What we need is to realize that we are surrounded by poison, but the worst poison is our own minds and our own fear. So what I want is to empower people to take responsibility of their own lives not to scare anyone with hypotheses that I haven't confirmed and that even if I can confirm them, it's like, are they useful? Are you 100% sure? Is that a little bit like the Socrates filters, you know, the, the three filters that Socrates was always saying? says, is that good? What you're going to say is good. 
is it no sorry the first one is is it 100 percent true mm-hmm. are you sure 100 that what you are saying is true the second thing is it good and the, th- the third thing is it useful socrates taught me that you first pass the first thing filter are you 100 sure what you are going to say if not Okay, we can discuss. If you want to do science, then you call other colleagues and you put on the table, look, this is what I found. And I found out what does, does it make any sense to you? When Adam and I were checking the Pfizer vial and we were finding really weird things, we were calling people and say, hey, we found this image. Does it make any sense to you? And someone would say, oh yeah, that's the whatever explanation they had. We never published anything. Because we are not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to claim I have discovered anything when I'm not sure is not good and is not useful. This concludes part one of the show. You'll find part two and related materials in my members-only portal, The Truthiversity, the consciousness-raising university. This creation is the official home for all my multimedia research and entertainment content. Updated regularly, my members get access to absolutely everything I create, including full podcasts, videos, blogs, courses, audio files, live internal events, the whole enchilada. Grab yourself a free 24-hour pass at access.truthiversity.com.